Good morning, Dora Hope. Uh, why don't we open up our, our Bibles to Genesis chapter 19. Um, Josh is, is out of town. He's away, and uh, he told me that I could preach on whatever I wanted, which is always my favorite thing to preach on. And as we've been going through the, the Old Testament uh, here in the morning and then in our, in our night study at, at the Fellowship of the Burning Heart, um, it's been an in-depth look at the Old Testament specifically that it, I've, I've realized, um, gosh, I've, I've been really touched by the book of Genesis. There's been a lot of things in it that have, that has, that's personally rocked me and been encouraging and even, even very healing. And I wanted to share some of those thoughts with you this morning, really, really one in particular that, that kind of has some, some revolving ideas around it, but there's a, there's a core point. And so I want to I start in Genesis 19. Um, let's, let's start in verse 15 and read forward from there. This is a very, a very weird story. Some of you may have read this in the past and, and gone, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. Next, let's get to Leviticus. Let's get to the good stuff. <laughs> Genesis 19:15. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But Lot lingered, and so the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters, grabbed them by the hand, for the Lord was being merciful to him. And they brought Lot out, and they set him outside the city. And as they brought them out, one of them said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And Lot said to them, No, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight. You have shown me great kindness in saving my life, but I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, there is a city that's far enough to flee to, and it's a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. And so he said to Lot, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that, you will not, that I will not overthrow the city which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing until you arrive there. And therefore the name of the city was called Zor. And the sun had risen on the earth when Lot made it to Zor. And the Lord reigned on Sodom and Gomorrah, sulfur, and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and the valleys and all the inhabitants of the cities and even what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Just one more quick prayer before we get into this. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Lord, I, I, I pray that wherever... We as a church, in, as individuals, Lord, wherever we're coming from, wherever we were this morning and got up and came to church and wherever we're going to after church, whatever the circumstances of our life, the circumstances of the city of Portland, the circumstances of the United States, the circumstances of the globe, Lord, my prayer is that this morning we would hear from you that we would understand and, and hear of your goodness and of your mercy and of your love and of your invitation 
to human beings to, to come. Jesus said, come to me all who are thirsty. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. Jesus, this morning may we, may we learn more, understand more, really take to heart more your goodness and that that goodness that we, that we understand will, will manifest in joy and in worship and, to, and telling the world who you are. We love you, Jesus, and we trust you with everything. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So even, even that prayer just now, um, th- this, this text, Lot's, <laughs> Lot's wife turning into a pillar of salt, I mean, my goodness, what is going on? Um, I will admit that I have... That I have I know this story in the Bible. I know it's there. I even could tell you where it is, but I've kind of avoided it throughout my entire life and, and, and not really known what to do with it as, as, a, as a Bible teacher and as a preacher and as a pastor. And, and Josh brought to light a, a detail in this, in this story a couple of weeks ago during our burning, the Fellowship of the Burning Heart study that just took this text made it alive, broke some, some piece of me, and then immediately healed it, because I, under, because I understand more what's, what's going on here. Uh, and, and, and what I, what I want to begin by, by saying, and I, and I, I sort of alluded it, to it in that, in that prayer, is I've, I just turned 37 years old. My little girl just turned one. I've been here at Door Hope since 2010. I've been, I've been a, a pastor here for two and a half years now, and and I'm, I'm getting the lay of the land, you know, and, I, and, and there's one thing that I think all of us could probably relate to, and it's that there comes times in life, for sure, and there comes times, I think, especially if you're, if you're walking with and following the Lord, where you get sort of <laughs> to what feels like a sprint to the 50-yard line, and you have to stop, and you put your hands on your knees, and you, and you, you look around, and you're tired, and you might look up and say, Lord, where, what, is, what is happening? What is going on? Where, 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 am I, where are you taking me? Remember Jesus, when he found his disciples, he said, follow me. And he never told them where he was going. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be enigmatic. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my mind around the beauty that is following the Lord every single day and letting today's troubles be sufficient for the day. And not worrying about tomorrow. And what I what I see here in in Lot's wife, and what Josh really really brought out of the text is that she didn't when she, when she was leaving Sodom, she didn't just turn around and look out of curiosity, you know. And that's kind of how I always took the text: that the angels come down and they say, "Get get out of here." The 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 judge of the earth, who always does what is right, is bringing judgment to Sodom and Gomorrah. And in God's grace, he leads, Lot, he leads Lot's family out. And there's a bit of a struggle. Lot, Lot sort of, he, he, he delays, he, he tarries, and it says that the angels grabbed them because the Lord was being merciful. It says that in verse 16, the Lord being merciful to him, they, they seized him and his wife and they brought him out. And when they're leaving Lot's wife turns around, and she becomes a pillar of salt. And, and what, what Josh brought out in the text and what the language actually says is that she looked longingly at Sodom. 
And it almost was like I got bit by something. You know, you ever been stung by something and at first it's like, ow, that kind of hurt. What was that? And then like an hour later it's swollen and an hour and a half after that it's pussy and then you might have to go to the doctor and like it just gets worse. Like this, I got hit with this truth and as the week has gone, at first I was like, wow, that, she looked longingly back at Sodom. That's a really, that's a really interesting detail. I'm going to have to think about that. And throughout the week it's just destroyed me. Well, the last two weeks, really. It's just destroyed me because what, what's happening here is the Lord has come in mercy, he's come in love, and he is leading Lot and his family away from destruction. He's leading them out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot is dragging his feet because the culture of Sodom and Gomorrah was in Lot's family. It was in their blood. And you can, you can see this if, if, you, if you're familiar with the story or if you, if you go and you read the whole thing later. What, what's, what happens is, is Lot is in Sodom and he offers his daughters to a, a, a mob that has rapist intentions. Job is a, is a flawed individual. Sodom and Gomorrah has gotten into his blood. His own, his own wife doesn't want to leave Sodom. And then as the story continues, Lot's daughters get him blackout drunk, sleep with him, and get pregnant by him. It's, it's, it's really a, 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 a blood and guts story. It really is. But the one thing that I want to focus in on right now is that the, the system, the psyche, the, the culture of Sodom was in this family. And they're called out. And what, what was so striking to me about this is that Lot's, Lot's wife doesn't want to leave. That's why she looks back. She's not running from Sodom and turns around to see what's happening. Notice, notice in the text specifically, look at, look at what it says here. It says that they, 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 get out, they get out of town. In verse 26, Lot's wife behind him looked back and became a pillar of salt. The angel said, I can't do anything until you get to this little town, Zor. And so Lot gets there in verse 23. He gets there. The sun had risen when Lot had come to Zor, but his wife is still someplace behind him, longingly looking at Sodom. This is, this is what I want. That's what, she's, that's what she's saying. The Lord is leading me and my family elsewhere, but man, this, this over here is what I want. This is what I really want. This is where I raised my family. This is where I've lived. This is what's important to me. This is, this is what I need. Lord, this is what I need. All due respect, wherever you're taking me, wherever we're going, this is what I need. And she longed for it. And this hit me so heavy because I, I do this. I do this so bad. Um, you guys know my my story for the most part. I was going to move out of the country with my friends. I was living on 51st and Killingsworth. I had a plane ticket. I had money in the bank. I had a place to stay when I got overseas. It was all set up. That, that was my life. I got sick. I had to stay. And, I was, and, and the Lord, the Lord in, his, in his way, too, too long of a story to tell, the Lord in his way said, you're staying in Portland. And the plane that I was supposed to get on took off. And my friends who were going to go overseas with me went without me. 
And I didn't know what the Lord was doing. I didn't know where the Lord was leading me, but I was so upset. I was so angry. And for, and for years later, I literally did this. This is actually the first thing that came into my mind. When Josh said, when he pointed out in the text that Lot is, Lot's wife is looking longingly on Sodom, the first thing, the image that came into my head was me sitting on the curb. I'm not going to give the exact address, but on 50, I almost did, 51st and Killingsworth, sitting on the curb looking at the house where I used to live when me and my friends were going to move overseas. I, I actually would like go out of my way to sit and just stare at that house. I've literally done that. Like in, it pretty, I can't remember the, the, the last time I did it specifically, but like pretty recent history, like since I've been married even. I'm passing by that house. I'll turn my motorcycle off and I'll just stare at it because I'm longing for that time. There's something about me that's still addicted to the, to the autonomy and, and that, that young, impetuous, just fly by the seat of our pants. Let's just, let's just go. Let's just get out of the country. Let's go to across the world. Let's go meet people that we've never met before. Let's get out of the U.S. Let's, let's get lost in a culture, in a language, in a people that we don't understand. I was so into that, and now here I am, years later, still in Portland, Oregon, where I was born and raised. The Lord was leading me here. He was guiding me here. I was supposed to be here, and I would actually sit in front of the house where I lived when all of that opportunity was in front of me, and I would drool and just long for the days. And it was so personally, uh, it was like putting... It was like putting metal shavings in your oil tank. Like it just, it was, it was causing me emotional distress because I was, I was committed enough to the Lord to go, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to move out of Portland. I'm not going to move overseas like I was planning on it. But I'm also not really going to trust you with the rest of the story either. Lot's wife, Lot's family is being led away from destruction, but she wants something more. And maybe it's what she's familiar with. Maybe who knows what it is specifically about Sodom that had seeped its way so deep into her bone marrow. But she's being led by God's grace and by God's mercy and by God's love to safety. And she is stuck on Sodom. And whatever it is that the Lord has has planned, she's unwilling to go into that mystery. And it says that she turned into a pillar of salt. Now, uh, not to take too much time on this, it might be that she literally turned into a pillar of salt. That, that could be. I'm not going to say that that's not what happened. I don't know. Uh, but there's quite a bit of uh, scholarship and commentators and, that, and people that study the Bible in the original language, Hebrew, that, that, that read this and they say what, what happened is, you know, you notice in the verse that it says that Lot came to Zor, and then in verse 26, Lot's wife was behind him and she looked back, that, that she wasn't immediately like on his heels behind him, that, she, that she's back there a ways, and that she got swept up in the valley, that whenever, whenever the, the brimstone, the sulfur and the fire came down, that, that she got caught up in that, that she was swept away. And, and notice, notice the language here, I, I missed this. I was familiar with the story, but I missed this every single time. There's twice, there's a warning given. In verse 15, the angel says, get up, take your wife and your daughters who are here, lest you be swept away. And then in verse 17, same thing. They, they grab Lot by the hands, they pull him out of the city, and as they brought them out, verse 17, one of them said, escape to the hills, lest you be swept 
away. I don't know if Lot's wife literally turned into a pillar of salt and it was like a miracle. I, sure, I'm, that's totally fine. Or if she got buried under what was coming from the sky. But what, what did happen, regardless, is she was swept away. She got swept away. And I, as, as followers of the Lord, we can get swept away by holding on to what the Lord is graciously trying to move us away from or refusing what he's trying to graciously move us towards. He moved, he moved me away from a complete lifestyle. He didn't just ask me to give up cigarettes, you know, which eventually he did. I did eventually quit smoking cigarettes. But, but what happened to me in 2010 is that you're not moving across the ocean. You're not moving in with these people. You're going to stay in Portland. You're going to go to Door Hope Church. And you know, guys, at the time, I didn't know why. And you know what? This is so, this is so crazy. Like, I'm, I'm coming into this in real time. Like, I, I, I got this text. It blew my mind. I'm sharing it with you sort of haphazard and scatterbrained because I'm, I'm, I'm living it in the moment. Like, I, the, the ramifications of this text are still rippling through my soul as we speak. I came to Dora Hope for the first time. I got invited to come to Dora Hope like five or six times, and I, and I, I said no each time. I didn't want to go to church. I grew up in church. I've been there. I've done that. Blah, blah, blah. I'm over it. I don't want to do it. I finally came to Door of Hope. And I remember the, I remember the very, we were in the annex. Uh, I think Josh had, had braids in his hair. And he wasn't even like, like he wasn't even preaching yet. He was just on the stage kind of doing the opening, the opening, hello, how's everybody doing? And there was people up in the balcony. I was up in the balcony and they were like trying to not spill their coffee on their girlfriend and they were finding a seat. And I was sitting in this church for the first time in a long time. I was sitting in a church, and it was, the, it was I, think, I think, maybe to my shame, the last time I ever cried in church. And it wasn't the sermon. Josh wasn't preaching yet. The Bible was not open. But God the Spirit in that moment said to me, all this drama that you've just been through, the, the, the medical bills, the two surgeries, losing your girlfriend, losing your trip, the whole plan to go overseas happening without you was to get you right here in this seat. And I, it was wonderful. It was so wonderful. I was so thankful in that moment. And that wasn't it. Like, I, I have struggled every day since. But the Lord wanted me in Portland. He took, he took Ireland, the overseas trip, away. And I didn't know why. And I longed for it. And he told me, you're going to be here at Door Hope. And I still long for that trip sometimes because I'm a broken human being. He took Lot and his family out, and Lot's wife was unable to let go, and she got swept away. And I, I came so close to getting swept away, not, 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 not in any salvation kind of way, but I've wasted so much time with a bottle of Jack Daniels in one hand and a pack of Marlboro Reds in the, in the other, with some, some love interest or girlfriend or somebody on my phone who was keeping my attention because, because I wasn't willing to just let the Lord have all of me. I was in Portland, and I was, I was, I was that obedient. But, but Portland was like a nowhere place for me. I was here. I didn't know where the Lord was leading. I had been taken out of Ireland, so to speak. Like Lot's wife has been taken out of Sodom but she refuses to go to where the Lord is taking her. She refused to trust. She refused to believe. 
Whatever it was about Sodom, she could not let it go, and she got swept away. And I want to caution us against that. The reason I bring up, you know, my little girl turning one and me turning 37 and being a pet, because I've, I've gotten to know a lot of you on a pretty intimate level, and another layer of this cake, <laughs> my own personal experience with this text, but I also, as of late, have been meeting with a lot of you one-on-one, and I, and I hear a lot of the same themes in the stories. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people who are looking up to the heavens and saying, Lord, this, I, I don't know what's going on. Help. And what I want to encourage you to hear this morning, at the very least, is that wherever you are, friends, God is with you. He's, he is closer to you than your own thoughts. God the Spirit is alive inside of you. And we don't always think it. We don't always feel it. We may at just flat out not know it. Friends, he is with you. He has not abandoned you. I don't know where he's leading you away from. I don't know where he's leading you to. But man, prayerfully and diligently, trustingly, follow him. Because there's another, there's another side of, a, of, of this kind of story. And I, I want to I jump ahead a few generations to Genesis chapter 28. Another story of an individual who finds himself sort of in between here and there. He's, he's lost. He's confused. Things have not gone according to plan. It's the story of, it's the, the early story of, of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the twin brother of, of Esau. Uh, and some of you, most of you probably know the, the story, but Jacob has an older brother, an older twin brother named Esau who, who wants to kill Jacob. He wants him dead. And Jacob is a bit of a mama's boy. And I ain't got nothing against mama bo- mama's boys. I'm a mama's boy. My mom's here this morning. Jacob's been very, Jacob has a very wealthy family. The, the Bible is very uh, clear that Isaac, was a, was a, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob's parents, were very wealthy people. And Isaac, or excuse me, Jacob is a little twisted. And he does his, he does his older brother dirty to get his brother's birthright and to get his brother's blessing. And he, and he gets it. He uses manipulation and lying, but he gets the blessing. He gets the birthright. But then his brother wants to kill him. And so Jacob is at home. He's comfortable. He's knitting or sewing with his mom in a tent somewhere. It's all very good. It's all, it's all fine. But now he's on the run for his life from his brother because of his own sin. Esau says, I'm going to kill my brother as soon as my dad passes away. And, and Rebecca, Jacob's mom, says, you've got to get out of here. You've got to go. And she, the, the direction that she points is a place 550 miles away. And so with nothing, he's a kid of privilege. He's a silver spoon brat, kind of. But he leaves with nothing. And we pick up the story here. Chapter 28, verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba, and he went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place, and he stayed there that night because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head to lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached into heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood over it, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac, 
The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring, and your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. So Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord was in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. How many times have I read that story? Maybe how many times have you read that story and just, you know, cool, like, I don't know what to do with that. He uses his head as a pillow. He goes from one place. He eventually gets bamboozled himself by Laban. It's just, a, it's this like in-between place in the stories. And I lo- that's perfect. That's perfect. And I never noticed it until just recently. I didn't notice it until Josh pointed out that Lot's wife looked longingly at Sodom. This is what I want. This is what I need. This is where I belong. Jacob has to leave home And notice in verse 10, it says, or verse 11, it says that he came to a certain place and stayed there that night. Usually the Bible gives names. It says he left Beersheba and went towards Haran, but then he stayed in a place. Now, later we're told that the name of that place is is Luz or Luz, but in the moment, the name of the place is not given, and it's because it's a nowhere place. It's a place without a name to Jacob. He's in between home and wherever he's going, and in the meantime, the place is not worth mentioning. And I wonder, friends, if some of us feel like we're in a place like that right now, a place that just means nothing. This, this time in my life, this period, this, this situation, it's not even worth mentioning. It doesn't have a name. He's a, he's a son of privilege, he, and he's so broke that he uses a stone as a pillow. Notice he takes, he stayed at a certain place. He took a stone from that place. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Place, place, place place. I don't know where I'm going. I know, where, I know what I'm leaving. My mom's tent doing macrame or something, you know, running from my brother. This in-between place, not worth mentioning. He's, he's on his way from here to there. And man, I can tell you, I have experienced what it is like to be somewhere that's not worth giving a name. I, <laughs> I hate, I'm sorry to bring it up so many times, but it's just, it's my story. It's all I got. When my friends left to go overseas, I had surgery and I couldn't go and I was laying on my mom's couch, again, mama's boy, and I was spitting blood into a bucket watching picture after picture after picture after story after reel. I don't know if those were really a thing back then, but that was kind of the idea 
show up on Facebook, this is even before Instagram was a thing, of what my friends were posting from overseas. We're working at this garden, we're, we're, we're staying in this hostel, we met this banjo player, it was really cool. We went busking in the streets of Ireland and made this many, like, and I was at home spitting blood into a bucket. That was a nowhere place. It felt bereft of everything, desolate, forsaken, the well had run dry, there was famine in the land. There was nothing there. I was using a stone as a pillow. And I thought, surely God is not in this place. There is nothing, this is a nowhere place. I had plans before. I don't know what's ahead of me, but this in between time, it's not even worth mentioning. Friends, if, if you feel like you're in a place like that, a nowhere place, may I implore you that that's a lie from the devil. The Lord is with you always. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Look at, look at what happens. He's in a nowhere place. It's not even worth mentioning. He falls asleep. He uses a stone as a pillow. Somehow he manages to fall asleep. And he dreamed. Verse 12. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood above it, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. This is, this is, the, this is what Babel was intended to be. Human beings making an effort in their own strength to reach the heavens, to create their own Eden, to create a name for themselves that would be everlasting, and the Lord scattered it, because you cannot do that apart from him. Here, notice there's, it says ladder, it's, it's more likely a, a stairway, or, or, or what would be called a, a ziggurat. Uh, we'll talk about this text in greater depth tonight at the 6 p.m. Burning Heart service, but regardless, there's, there's a way up and a way down, and there's angels ascending and descending on it, not humans. This is, this is not man's attempt to go up to the heavens. This is a stairway that goes from heaven down to earth. And Jesus says that this is him, that this stairway is him. But I'm getting, I'm getting ahead of myself. Here's, here's Jacob fleeing for his life because of his own sin. He's in a nowhere place, broken, penniless. That's the same thing broke and alone, <laughs> and the heavens break open, and the Lord says, I'm here. In this nowhere place, I'm here. You may not know it, you may not see it, you may not realize it, but the Lord is telling Jacob right here in this moment, in this in-between time, you're scared, you're alone, you don't know where you're going, Jacob, I'm here with you. I'm right here with you. And for now, Jacob, that's all, that's all you need to know. He says, I, I, he says, I'm with you, I see you, I have you, I'm going to keep you, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to make, I'm going to make you last. Verse 14, it says, your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and the east and the north and the south, and in you and your offspring, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The promise to Abraham is now going through Jacob. He's in the middle of nowhere, desolate and alone, and the Lord is saying, I, st I, still, I still got you. I have not let you go. I have you. And everything that I have promised, it's still coming. 
It's still coming. Don't let your time here alone sleeping on a rock tell you otherwise. This is not the end for you, Jacob. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. And Jacob awoke from his sleep, verse 16, and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Is that a word for somebody here this morning? This, is somebody lying on the couch, spitting blood into a bucket, looking up to the heavens and saying, Lord, I just, I don't get it. The Lord was in this place, and I did not know it. That's my whole point this morning. Know it. Start with that. Never mind how you feel. Never mind what you think. The devil can manipulate that so easily. Listen to what the word of God says. And the Lord says, I am, I am with you. Are you hurting? He is with you. Are you broke? He is with you. Are, are you alone? Just, just begin by knowing he is with you. He has not forsaken you. He has not left you. He's, he's there. Jacob is there lying on a rock, and the sky breaks open, and there was the Lord the entire time. He was right there in this nowhere place in between Beersheba and the unknown future, lying on a rock all by himself. I mean, I really, I keep repeating that because I really want you to get it that, that he is in the, he is nowhere. He is in a place with no name. He is in a circumstance that's not worth remembering. It, it doesn't deserve any attention. It's a place. It's like any other place. And boom, the Lord cracks open the heavens and says, I'm right here. I'm with you. The Lord was in this place. I just didn't, I didn't know it. And this nowhere place, this place of pain, this place of desolation, this place of, of certainly questions and curiosities and uncertainties and fear, turns into a place of worship, and it's given a name. Verse 17, I was afraid, or he was afraid, and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. How awesome is this place? That's a, hard, that's a hard word. Even if it's a good word, it's a hard word because I know that some of us are in places that really hurt. And saying this is awesome is, is not, doesn't feel appropriate. And that's, and that's okay. I, I don't know where each of you are at, but, but my, my point is that the Lord is there and that somehow in his, in his beautiful wisdom and his, in his unending mercy, he, he can weave these things into something amazing. How awesome is it? He says, this, how awesome is this place? The Valley of the Dry Bones became an army, but it was a Valley of Dry Bones first. The Lord is the Lord of resurrection, but the hard part is, is that death comes first. And I don't know where everybody is on that trajectory, but I know that a lot of us feel like a valley of dry bones. Friends, the Lord is with you. He promises to never leave you or forsake you. He tells Jacob, I'm never going to leave you. I'm going to do what I promised you I'm going to do. And Jacob says, how awesome is this place? He says, this is the gate of heaven. So you, you, might, you might think this or feel this way because I, I, I sometimes will read texts like this or I'll hear preachers say something kind of akin to what I'm I'm, I'm saying right now, and I'll, I'll say something, I'll make some excuse, like, yeah, J Jacob's cool right now because the Lord just made him all these promises, 
he falls asleep, he has this dream that's not really a dream. You know how the Bible does that? It's like it, it's real, but it's a dream. It's, it's wild. And he makes all these promises. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to keep you. I'm going to make your offspring like the dust of the earth. You're going to spread north, south, east, and west. So yeah, like of course Jacob could be stoked because he just, he just got all these promises handed to him. Friends, we have promises given to us. Jesus is the gate of heaven. In John chapter 1, Jesus references this story to one of his followers, Nathan. In the very beginning moments that he meets Nathan, he says, you will see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. We're not given a ladder to climb to heaven or a stairway to climb to heaven. We're given, we're, we're given Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the door. He is the way. No one comes to the Father except through him, a relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't earn it. It's given to you. And he's here now. Wherever you're at, he's here now. And maybe the skies haven't broken open. Maybe you haven't realized it. My prayer is that that happens this morning to you for the first time or that it happens to you again because we need reminders. The Lord is with you. He's after you. And Jesus Christ is the gateway to heaven. So the Lord... In closing, the, the Lord, these, these two stories can seem like they have nothing in common, <laughs> but we see, two different, we see two different consequences. Lot's wife refused, and whatever it was that the Lord had for her in Zor and beyond, she forfeited it because she couldn't let go. Friends, what are, what, is there something that you're missing out on because you're refusing to follow the Lord into the, into the, into the next, into tomorrow, and then the next day? Because you're holding on to something that you're too afraid to let go of. Or you're not going someplace that you're too afraid to enter into. And for what it's worth, as ambiguous as that question can be, I think you know what I mean, and I can relate to you. I can relate to you, I get it. He comes towards Lot's wife, Lot's family, in mercy in chapter 19. He comes towards Jacob in mercy in chapter 28. The Lord is with you, and you may not know it. And you might say, well, how do I know? Okay, preacher, great. You spent a couple hours this week working on this. You presented it, but what is that actually? How do I know? What does this mean? Well, uh, we're we're told Lot's wife was led to a place that she she did not understand, that she didn't want to go to. Jacob was led into a place for completely different reasons, but he was led into a place that he didn't understand. He was led into a nowhere place that he didn't, that he didn't have any familiarity with. Jesus Christ, God himself became incarnate, was born, was laid in a feeding trough, for goodness sakes. And he was led to a criminal's cross to die the death that we deserve. He was led to the ultimate nowhere place. And there he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that none of us would ever have to say that. In him is life. It's life abundant. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way to come to the Father except through Jesus Christ. He paid the penalty of our sins. He gives us his righteousness, his perfect righteousness in return. He gives us life that is overqualified for death. How do you know Jesus died for it? He proved himself. He proved himself not only all-powerful, but all-merciful. He went to the cross. 
He went to the ultimate nowhere place to prepare a place for you and me. John 14, in my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And you, you might say like, well, yeah, but that place doesn't have a name either. He's calling it a place. Well, here's the thing. This is what's, this is what's beautiful about that. I go, to a place to, I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. The emphasis is less on the place, and it is a place with a name. The emphasis is more on the relationship. Who's going to be there? Jesus, forever. And his bride, his church, forever. All tears wiped away, all sorrow, all crying, all weeping, gone forever. He's here in this place now. Wherever you are, if you feel like you're in a nowhere place, his mercy is new every morning. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He is for you. And he came to seek and to save the lost. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus said point blank why he came. He said the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. And if you were here this morning and you don't know this Jesus, come and speak with me. If you feel him in your guts right now bugging you, don't tell him to be quiet. Don't be like Lot's wife. Don't, don't, don't respond to fear of having to have a, a conversation. With, I, I'm just a dude. Anybody that's got a red lanyard on, anybody that, that you came with, anybody on staff here at Door of Hope, come and get prayer. Put your faith in Jesus. Say, there is no other name given to men and women under heaven by which you must be saved. It's Jesus, and he came and he died for you. That's how you, that's how you know. And if you're here this morning, I'll just close with one quick application. I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm not sorry about it. What do I do about this? Well, I'll tell you this. The last five minutes I've got, this is, this is what I'd say. I fall into the tendency to show up at church week after week after week after week after week, and oftentimes I'll realize, like I'll look back a month and I'll be like, I've just been kind of showing up and doing my job and trying to put away my coffee cup where it's supposed to go, and my heart has been missing. But I'm here week after week after week, and I know it's not fair. I'm supposed to be here. I get paid to be here. I know it's different, but that's the only difference. I was here on a Sunday night, and Josh was teaching out of the book of Genesis, and something, a story that I knew, a story that I had read, a story that I had heard, a story that I'd even heard preached before, suddenly became completely alive to me because I was at church. And, I, and you never know when the Lord is going to take something that seems old and redundant, and he's going to cut you with it in the best way possible. This passage, if you'd asked me a month ago about Jacob in the, the, the stone pillow and uh, Lot's wife turning into a pillar of salt, I would have said, yeah, I know that story. I could even tell you where it's at. Friends, this story has healed me in ways that I don't have time to tell you right now. The Lord used it to just, he opened my eyes and I saw my, the, my places where I'm still holding on to Sodom. And I realized how safe and good it is to let go. And to trust the Lord in ways that are brand new to me. This passage has been healing to me. And my prayer is that this morning will be healing for you as well. But you have to come to. So, my, so what do we do with this? I, friends, I would say this. As much as is possible, be in your Bibles every single day. Do not let the dust collect on your Bible. Do not think, I've read it, I've been there, I've done that. 
engage with the word of God again and again and again. Come to early morning prayer. Mel and Jean open up this building 6 a.m. Monday through Friday. Come here. Seven on Saturdays, eight on Sundays. Come and pray. Get into Bible study. Come to every Bible study. Guys, I'm doing three Bible studies at least in 2024. Come. And I know that some of you are parents. Some of you have jobs. Some of you can't do it. But as much as is possible, come to church. Gather with people in prayer and in study of the scriptures. Get in the Bible on your own time. In prayer, engage with the word of God. Meet with him daily. You never know the, the radical splitting of the heavens that, it's gonna, that could occur. And the Lord saying, I was right here the whole time and you didn't know it. And then like Jacob, you say, how awesome is this place? And it becomes a place of worship. He is with you. He loves you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He died on the cross to prove it. He's that good. Amen? Amen.